Girls, One Podcast is made possible by you, the listeners. And if you love the internet as much as we love talking about it, consider supporting us on Patreon. A lot of work and time go into research, recording, editing, and distributing this show. Contributing even one or two dollars per month is huge in offsetting our production costs. If you'd like to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash 2G1P. We'll keep making the show no matter what. But your support allows us to make it even better. Thank you so much for listening. And and enjoy enjoy the the show. show. Welcome back to Two Girls, One Podcast. In this episode, we analyze every frame of the hit film, National Treasure, to uncover why Nicolas Cage was snubbed for an Oscar in 2004. Wait a minute, I'm being told there are already several podcasts which do exactly this. I suppose we'll just go with Plan B then. And now the internet's two most valuable treasures, besides that Instagram egg, of course, Alison Goldberg and Jennifer Jamula. everybody. I'm Jen. I'm Allie. Welcome to Two Girls, One Podcast. In this here podcast, we interview people behind different internet posts and communities and phenomena and all that stuff that we find so interesting. For a lot of years, Allie and I performed internet material live on stage using the internet as a script, completely verbatim Reddit threads, Craigslist posts, uh, all sorts of things, anything you'd find online, basically. Poop we think of- big. Also Why? Poop. Why? <laughs> I mean, I guess like that's a good cleanse. So yeah, it's springtime. We're cleansing. Um, yeah. So from there, we created a web series, Two Girls, One Show on Hoo Ha where we interview people behind internet posts and go on scripted adventures. And then we were like, let's just keep it real. We don't need scripted fictional stuff anymore. Let's just talk to the people. So we started pooping big. We, start, we started dreaming and pooping big. Today's <laughs> show is crazy. It's crazy. Crazy. Did you yeah. guys know that, uh, that there's a treasure what? hunt happening? There's a treasure hunt and we are going to do some sleuthing today. So the treasure will be ours. Mm. Oh, is that your plan? I didn't even think <laughs> yeah, about no, that. It's I'm my such plan a fool. with you. Because here's the thing, Jen. It'll be great. We'll find out as much as we can. Then you and I go uh, to, isn't it like it's in like Utah? It's in some like national park. We'll go on a great road trip. Oh, that would be so much fun. Mm-hmm. You know, worst case scenario, we see some shit. Best case scenario, <laughs> we find hidden treasure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's no money in podcasting. So I think yeah. this is a sound business decision. Thank you. Here's the crazy part to me. This whole thing was spurred by an 88-year-old man. I believe he's 88 currently named Forrest Fenn. F-E-N-N. Also, is that a real name? Yeah. My name's Allie, but you can call me Plants. <laughs> Fine, Tree Goldberg. Um, That's what they call yeah, I mean, me. <laughs> I think it must be because he's a gallerist and like he's done a bunch of stuff in his life. He lives in New Mexico, apparently. Um, Forrest is a real name. Perhaps you've heard of Forrest Gump. Yeah, that's real. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Thanks for that contribution, Matthew. Yeah. Well, we got to get the real story from our guest who is on this treasure hunt and like one of the main kind of characters who's one of the people searching for this treasure. But Allie, what is the story? He hid like a box of money in, like, no, he in a desert somewhere? No, he claims to have all these like 
treasures and antiques. So it's not cash. It's like gold. And I think there's like um, Aztec gems or so. it's like that kind of like <laughs> legit like pirate booty situation that he wow. supposedly buried somewhere in the woods. But the thing that's amusing to me is like he's, le- he's written out clues that are circulating all over the Internet. But um, people are really going to elaborate lengths. Unfortunately, I think at least one or two people have died searching for it. Really? And then he put out a statement that was like, look, it's somewhere that an old dude could get to. You know what I mean? Like, it's not... <laughs> yeah. You don't Use need to noggin. be scaling climb mountains. Any mountains. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a poem and a map. And apparently, if you're able to hold them side by side, he Forrest Fenn created them. And if you can decipher both together, that's how he wants you to be able to find this treasure. And there are other I ways to. I love this so fucking much, yeah. guys. I'm so in. Yeah, I'm well, so in too. Um, I can't wait. You, you could come with us. <laughs> you could come uh, with uh, us. You've got two kids. I, It'll be more I didn't know if I was invited. But on the, uh, you could come. <laughs> yeah. I'll join you by uh, Skype. Just hold the map in front of the nope, phone not and I'll, an I'll try to help you figure not out the clues. Not an option. Got it. Okay. <laughs> uh, do you want to hear the poem? I Would do. we like to talk about the poem later? Sure. Hit it. Okay. Here we go. As I have gone alone in there and with my treasures bold, I can keep my secret where and hint of riches new and old. Guys, I don't know how good this poem is, but let's keep going. All right. (laughs) Begin it where warm waters halt and take it in the canyon down. Not far, but too far to walk. Put in below the home of capital B, Brown. From there, it's no place for the meek. The end is ever drawing nigh. There'll be no paddle up your creek, just heavy loads and water high. If you've been wise and found the blaze, look quickly down your quest to cease. But tarry scant with marvel gaze, just take the chest and go in peace. So why is it that I must go and leave my trove for all to seek? The answers I already know. I've done it tired and now I'm weak. So hear me all and listen good. Your effort will be worth the cold. If you are brave and in the wood, I give you title to the gold. That's awesome. So awesome. Well, I think, so that's, where do you think, I it think is? that's enough trivia for one episode. I don't think we need trivia. My logic is sound. I got a good one. I got a good one for you. <laughs> I mean, no one needs trivia. Let's Yeah, let's this, be whole, this whole kinda, episode uh, is, is fucking uh, trivia. I kind of want the trivia because honestly, I'm out of groceries and I need a TJ's gift card. All right, let's hear it. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Before we do trivia, is this like a million dollars worth of uh, booty? Is that accurate or am yes. I misremembering? It's a lot of booty. As far as I know. Like whatever's in this chest is worth a fortune, a real it's actual fortune. It's about as much junk as I've got in my trunk. That's got true. Mm, um, and I just saw <laughs> it's buried in the Rockies. Yes. It's a million dollars worth of gold and treasures and things apparently forrest fenn he's 88 a number of years ago he had a cancer scare and he was thinking about giving away all of this to you know somebody that he loved maybe or he just had like collected all of it um and then he survived and he kept it in his closet for a lot of years and friends would see it and they encouraged him to do something with it so i think it was during the recession when he decided that he was gonna um make it available to anyone that is the coolest (laughs) I'm so excited to hear is more. He I hear that? The- is this what you're going to do when you're old? <laughs> it's just like someone who's kicking back and just be like, oh, yeah, let's watch the fun happen. And just watching everyone scramble through the Rocky Mountains trying to decipher these clues. It is just it's bonkers. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, do you guys remember how we learned about the Forest Fen treasure hunt? From a listener. 
correct. Oh, was it in the Discord it server? Was, no, I looked back to see who recommended this to us, and it was actually a voicemail from a long time ago. It took us a while to find someone who would uh, come on the show and talk about the treasure hunt. Oh, that's true. We had a couple missed connections there. Do you have that voicemail? <laughs> I want to play the voicemail. Yes. Hold on. Let's hear it. Here's a taste of what's coming up on Inside Trader Joe's. Come on, Why do you shop at Trader man. Joe's? I, I can't because believe we fell for this shit. I know. It had been it had been too long, I honestly. I forgot that it I, happened. I trusted you were gonna play the fucking voicemail. I really believed it oh, was gonna happen. Real, I do have the real do voicemail. You? Yeah. Do by. you? Do you? Oh no. Oh god. Here's a taste oh, of what's coming up. I knew it. I knew it was gonna be twice in a row. I just Yeah. yeah. Hi, this is Allie, and you've reached two girls, one voicemail. Please leave us a message. Thanks for calling. Hey Jen and Allie. Big fan of the podcast. I uh, just wanted to call in to see if you guys have ever considered covering Forrest Fenn. Now, you might have might have heard of him. Basically, this guy who, you know, walked out into the Rocky Mountains and hid a little treasure chest with, you know, items in there containing more than a million dollars from what I've, what I've read. There are subreddits, there are Facebook groups with people obsessed with trying to find this treasure. Um, there even have been some people who have moved to certain locations near the Rocky Mountains to pursue this treasure hunt uh, full time. But yeah, just wanted to call in, suggest this topic maybe for the podcast. Hopefully you guys become more interested in it. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. Bye. Now, here's the thing. Yeah. This caller never identified himself. Was it Forrest Fenn? <laughs> I think so. I was thinking the same thing. Who is this guy? I hope he's still listening so that he can let us know yeah. who he is. I know. And has he tried to find <laughs> I, it? Ugh. I feel like I've done that a lot where I leave a voicemail and I hang up and I'm like, did I leave my name and number? <laughs> did that happen? You just start oh talking God, like Jen, Remember that one time I called the church and I lost my shit? Oh my God. Wait, what? Allie was calling about booking a performance space at a church. You know, in New York, there's some pretty cool performance spaces that are in churches. So I was calling to leave a message, but so I called and I was like, hi, my name's Allison. I'm calling to inquire about the church. And then I just lost it, laughed. I was like, I'm so I'm sorry. I laughed the whole voicemail, could have, and I just hung up. And then we never, we never booked <laughs> They never space. called back. <laughs> Why were you laughing? Just because. I, know, I just like heard myself being like, I'm calling to ask about the church. And like, it just sounded so absurd to me that I just, I had to giggle with it. <laughs> Love it. Anyway, well, Love thanks it. to that listener for the tip. And here we are today. Yeah. Looking at a real world treasure hunt. We don't look at the real world too often, but obviously we're also going to look at the online mm -hmm. community and how the online components fuel the search. That's right. But before we get to that, well, let's get this freaking trivia out of the way. I agree. I think it's, All I right. think it's unfair in this episode. It's like trivia on top of trivia. Yeah, agreed. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, today's trivia is about another buried treasure hunt. Whoa. This one, though, ended. The treasure was found, and it ended in scandal. <laughs> Surprise. I'm going to put um, mysterious music under scandal. Please do. Wait, Just say, one more say time. it one more time. I didn't hear what you said. Scandal. Okay, I got, got it. Yeah, I wasn't sure, but now I got it. Never do okay, it again. Cool. Okay. Okay. <laughs> in 1979, a British author, and this is pre-internet, guys, 1979. Well, no. When was the internet invented? Pre-web. Pre-like social pre media. Pre-social media. 
1979, a British author named Kit Williams published a children's book called Masquerade. Uh, it contained many whimsical paintings and poetic verses. We were talking about poetry leading to mysterious treasures. Um, when people started to analyze this book uh, very closely, it began to reveal clues to the location of an 18-carat golden hare, a, a small rabbit made of very precious metal, which was physically buried somewhere in England. This was a British author. At this time, in, in 1979 and, and the years uh, just after it, the entire country became obsessed with solving the riddle that was inside this book. Uh, but Williams was a very reclusive author. He refused to go on TV to talk about it. So people were like just digging up each other's backyards looking for this golden rabbit. The rabbit was eventually found, but the winner actually cheated <gasps> to find it. And this caused a huge uproar because it spoiled the treasure hunt for everyone. How did this cheater find the golden hair? I have three choices for you. <laughs> Oh, Kit, your golden hair and your masquerade. Everything's, it sounds so British. It sounds so lovely. <laughs> then, a, then an American fucking cheated, right? No, probably. <laughs> Here are your choices. A, a guy was using a metal detector at a local park when he just stumbled upon the hair he'd never even heard of the book. B, a woman broke into the author's home and found the location among the author's personal papers. Or C, the author's former girlfriend gave away the secret to a co-conspirator in hopes of splitting the prize. Well, A is not cheating. A is like someone accidentally found it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with C. The, 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 the ex-girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go with C, too, because I don't, I don't know. Break-ins kind of scare me. I don't like thinking about that. Yeah, let's go with C. Okay. Two cho decisive choices for C. We will find out the correct answer after the break. And now a real help wanted advertisement entitled Princess Party Professionals with Vehicle Midtown West from the website Disney used to cast Frozen 2 Craigslist. National Entertainment Company looking to expand our princess database in the greater New York area. At this current time, we are looking for princess talent for children and atmospheric events that owns a vehicle that can drive to the game. Our storage slash office is located in Midtown West. Please respond with photographs and brief listing of experience with princess work. Children's events. Costumes owned. Car type. And your location. Allie, what's an atmospheric event? Isn't that like a natural disaster? <laughs> like, what does that mean? No, I think it's like a party where there's atmosphere. Like with a fog machine? You know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe, yeah, there's like a fog machine. There's like maybe some strobe lights. People are having seizures. Like some that strobes. Kind of thing. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> some strobes and strokes. <laughs> yeah, no big deal. No, hang on. I, I, Allie, I don't know what your current like work situation is outside of the show, but you have professional princess experience. Uh, no, I don't, actually. No? I know what you're, I know what you're thinking, what? and I, I don't. <laughs> you, you, didn't she you work was at never, Disney World? Never a princess. 
Uh, never were, a princess. Were you go- you were goofy? <laughs> uh, <laughs> never a princess. <laughs> uh, no, I. Uh, <laughs> did anyone else get that musical theater reference? Uh, okay, um, I was in the hoop-de-doo review. Oh, that's right. My mistake. Um, the photos are so. I don't know if they're humiliating or not, but I should send them to you. <laughs> um, no, so I was never a princess. Um, I was a uh, Western. There's, it was like a traveling troupe of performers. It was very, very campy. <laughs> I sang the hokey pokey six mm. to nine nights. Wow. Okay. Uh, Did you dance? Because there's you only danced. seven nights in the week. I meant yeah. three. Wait, it was six to nine performances per week. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was a lot of dancing. Actually, it was a very, it was a very physically demanding show. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I will say that. Hokey pokey is very physically demanding. No, it was, it was a, <laughs> you got to put your, here. put your. Fingers yeah, turn in yourself and about, turn, like, turn yeah. About, yeah. yeah, you got, and yeah, the whole, yeah, the whole, yeah. the turning about is uh-huh. tough. Um, <laughs> here's the thing: when you're in the corporate world and you're going for a job, and your previous job is not quite a fit, you just bullshit until you spin that uh, experience. I feel you, like you could put on your resume, Disney professional performer. I think and you're correct. Yeah, I could imply. definitely spin that, yeah. um, but also with blog logs, we could spin it too. You know, instead of like a played a Teletubby that got fucked by Snape, it could be like played children's characters. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So children's I actually theater, have a yeah. lot of experience in I this I think area. you got this gig. I think you should go for it. Yeah. Thank you. Except that I'm no longer in the New York area. I mean, I guess when I come uh, back, you know, yeah, yeah. I'll be there this spring, so. Oh, yeah, you love Ali's coming to town, New Yorkers. <laughs> <laughs> now, where's that air horn? Roll out the I, combat. I, I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had to delete the air horn to make room for other um, sounds. Oh, that's so sad. I'm going to miss it. R.I.P. Like what? Jojizzing? Like, what's happening? Yeah. Poop. Big. Like that. That I think. It does sound like you're saying to dream big, though. Maybe she just starts saying poop big. I know. It's a command. That's what it is. We're pooping big. Pooping big. Pooping big nowadays. All right. Let's get this trivia nonsense out of the way. All right. Before we get into the big treasure hunt discussion of today's episode, let's talk about a different treasure hunt that happened in 1979. You guys remember 1979. Like it was yesterday. Um, it was a good year. <laughs> Actually, was it? No. <laughs> we were not born yet, hmm. but not too soon after. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, a British author named Kit Williams hid clues to a real treasure in his children's book. There was a golden hair that he buried somewhere in England, and it was found, but it was found indirectly. Some say through cheating or through other means that were not by following the clues in the book. Your choices were A, a guy just stumbled upon it with a metal detector at a local park, B, a woman broke into the author's home and found the location scribbled among the author's papers. Or C, the author's former girlfriend gave away the secret to another treasure hunter with the hope of splitting the prize. You guys confidently both went for C. Not for good reason, but yes. The correct answer is C. You got it right. (gasps) We did it, Jen. We did it. We did it. I feel like we feel we found really the treasure ourselves. Yeah. I feel yeah. like this bodes really well for our treasure hunting. I think so, yeah. too. Yeah. I think so, too. Mm-hmm. Forest um, Fence Treasure is ours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We found the golden half. <laughs> Just <laughs> really. Say that again. You guys can bitch slap me through this microphone if you want. 
And if you're British, I'm so I sorry. Did, I did. Did you not feel it? Oh, I felt it. I gotta it. work on this. Okay, cool, cool, cool. This little treasure, little, I don't know, like it sounds like it got uh, all of England uh, in a tizzy, if you will. Uh, it felt a lot like the Forest Fen thing. The, there were these very elaborate paintings in this children's book. And apparently if you were to draw lines from like the eye lines of the characters, so like wherever the characters were looking, you could draw lines to letters that were inscribed around the edges of each illustration. And you put those letters together and it spelled the name of a park in England. And wow. then this treasure, th- this golden hair that the artist made himself, uh, 18 karat gold was buried there and people were scrambling to find it. A million copies of the book were sold and it was found in 1982, but it seems that the ex-girlfriend of the author who knew the location, like apparently she was aware of it or was there when it was buried, you know, I assume was sworn to secrecy, but then it was something about one of the treasure hunters wanted the money to donate to like an animal rights cause and she was a she was an animal rights activist so at some point they were like if we could acquire this money under a false name i know where the treasure is we could get it we could sell it and then we could donate the money to a good cause so like they cheated and it was kind of a scandal but it wasn't like for nefarious purposes necessarily but it seems like people were very disappointed because people had been working for years it was published in 79 and the treasure was found in 82 it was later sold overseas at auction for 31,000 pounds but that was in 1988 so i'm not sure what that equates to in today's dollars i probably should have looked that up but like a good amount of money i would say Mm-hmm. And then I also found it interesting that the author was briefly reunited with it uh, in 2009. Uh, the man who bought it gave it to his wife as a Christmas present. And I guess he flew overseas to to show it to the creator and all was well. Wow. I'm just fascinated that anybody takes the time to make something like this. I know. And, I love that. Yeah. And like an artist who both created the hair and wrote the book. And, and then, I don't know, do you feel gratified when somebody finds it? Right. Like, what do you... Like right, to what end? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, on that note, let's get started talking about another real life treasure hunt that is still going on. We're speaking right now with Dale Neitzel, who is deep in the Forest Fen community and the search for the hidden treasure. Welcome, Dale. Hey, thanks. It's good to be here. Good to have you. Have either of you guys found the chest yet? <laughs> Not yet, but we're getting very close. We were working on it before you came. Yes. Okay. Well, I was just curious because I haven't found it and I wanted to make sure <laughs> yeah. that it was still safe to look. Okay. How long have you been looking, Dale? Nine years. Okay. Nine years. Nine yeah, long I years. A, <laughs> I was a lot younger when I started. <laughs> yeah. So how did this first come into your consciousness and why did you decide to go for it? I used to uh, uh, treasure hunt with a fellow by the name of Creighton Fenn. Creighton is Forrest's uh, nephew. And uh, I didn't know anything about Forrest, but we were in Uruguay looking at uh, shipwrecks for about five years. And since neither of us spoke Spanish, we were the only two people we could converse with. And so I... uh, I got to hear a lot of stories about about Creighton's family, and I heard about his uh, his uncle Forrest. And when I came back, he was just an interesting character. And I, when I came back, I started paying attention to his website, and I just was watching it because he had all these wonderful things for sale. I mean, just wonderful historical items that were. I mean, I, I've always been very interested in that kind of stuff. 
And one day while I was uh, watching his blog, a poem appeared and uh, it said that Forrest had started a treasure hunt and uh, the poem was there. It said there were nine clues in the poem and uh, uh, I was uh, supposed to figure out the poem, go get the chest. And if I could find it, it was mine. So wow. that's how I got involved. Wow. So you were following Forrest before this treasure hunt even came to be. That's pretty cool. I think that means you you are entitled to the treasure. Oh, thank you. Please, would you write <laughs> would you write a note to Forrest for yeah, me? We're on it. <laughs> we are on it. Do you know? So you know Forrest personally now. Have you met him? Yeah, I, I've met Forrest many times, uh, including let's see. The first, well, I, I, I traded emails with him the first time I went out looking. So when Forrest announced the treasure chest, it was in the fall of 2010. And it was too late for me to go out. And besides, I hadn't formulated a, a solution yet. Uh, so I spent that winter coming up with a solution. And then when spring came, I think it was uh, April or May of 2011, I went out searching for the first time. Uh, but I had spent the winter trying to figure it out. And I was absolutely sure I knew where it was. And uh, and when I was out, I figured, well, Forrest would like to know who the heck is going to pick up his chest. So I emailed him and he emailed right back and he asked me where I was. And I told him, told him I was out looking, except I didn't want to tell him who I was. I didn't want to give him my real name because I was afraid he would figure out that I was cheating and had talked to Creighton, his nephew, and gotten inside information. Oh, no. And so, and I knew that he knew my name because I have a pretty unique name. And Creighton had mentioned me and, you know, and while we were out there searching. So I, I didn't, I didn't want Forrest to guess who I was or to think I was cheating in any way. So I, uh, I, I made up a name. I said I was Mike from Michigan. <laughs> and, uh, and so I was contacting him as Mike from Michigan, and he didn't know who I was. And and he was saying things like, uh, you're just the kind of guy that could find my chest, you know, giving me encouragement, you know. Right. I, I, I didn't know whether that meant I was I was close or not, but it kept me going, you know. I kept, I kept looking. Mm -hmm. Needless to say, I didn't finish it. I didn't find it. Uh, but I'll have to tell you, I was so good with that solution. I had spent most of the money there by the time I, I got to where I was looking in my head. I, you know, I was painting the house, buying a new car, you know, I mean, I had all kinds of dreams going on. <laughs> So without giving away like anything you wouldn't want to give away to other people who are searching, what does that, what did that look like for you to formulate a, a solution? Are, were you cross-referencing the poem with maps and coming up with your roots or how, how did all that work? Well, in the beginning, I was convinced that Forrest had hidden it not too far from where he lived. At that point, we didn't, we, we didn't know a lot of things about it. Forrest has given us many more clues and hints that have kind of ruled out many of the places I was originally looking. But I've always believed that the poem is a straightforward set of directions. Start here, go there, go to this place, go to that place from here, you know, do this. I've always believed that that's the way the poem is. Other people are, are, are entirely, you know, have an entirely different solution there. They think that there's anagrams or, or uh, codes in written in or that, you know, you have to flip it upside down and hold it in a mirror and, you know, stand on one foot. But I've, I've never really been into all that. I've, I've really believed that Forrest wrote it as a set of directions. The most difficult part of it 
is is trying to figure out where to start. You know, the, the first clue in the poem, I mean, we know this is the first clue because Forrest has told us this is the first clue, is begin it where warm waters halt. Well, what the hell does that mean, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so so that's the first thing. If, if you can figure out a place where warm waters halt, and you can, you know, you know, you can start there. You can go there and start your search. You know, you might be lucky enough to find it. What do you think that means? Well, I've always felt that begin it where warm waters halt has to be a place that everybody is likely to know about. In other words, it can't be something that just Forrest knows about and is being tricky. And it has to be something that the universe could figure out. That uh, if I sat down with a map and, and looked at it for, you know, for six months, I could figure this out. I could figure out what he means by begin it where warm waters halt. It can't be too big a private secret that only Forrest knows about, or none of us would ever figure it out. Right. So that's sort of been my goal. And and I've, I've written on the blog several times about, you know, where I think this is. And to me, where warm waters halt is the place in Yellowstone National Park where the Gibbon and the Fire Hole meet. These are the two warmest rivers in, in Yellowstone. Forrest spent much of his youth growing up in Yellowstone. He was a fishing guide there at age 14. Uh, he spent every summer from the time he was three years until he was 20 years old there. He loved the place. He cherishes it. He's written many stories about it. I kind of believe that, that it's out in that area somewhere, not necessarily in the park, but in that general area where, where he spent his, his wonderful summers as a kid. And, you know, he said things like Yellowstone National Park is is my place of religion. That's not an exact quote. I lost the word that he used, but it meant something like that. It's a very spiritual place for him. And if you read any of his books about the chase, you'll figure out quite quickly that it's a sacred place to him. So you got involved in this search, as many have, but Something else we're really interested in is that you have documented this online and are really involved in the online community. So can you talk to us a little bit about how your site grew? The original plan for the site was to have some place to share some videos. I had, I had shot some, uh, some video interviews with Forrest, and I wanted a place to share those because first and foremost, I always felt that if anybody's going to find the treasure, they have to understand a little bit about Forrest. I, I, I don't care what he says. You can't just read that poem and figure out what he means. It'll help if you can know something about Forrest, if you understand his sense of humor, because I think there's humor in that poem. If you can understand what's important to him, because how else are you going to figure out where this chest is or where he wanted to hide the chest if you don't know what's important to him? Yeah, Jen and I do trivia every episode with Matt, and we think that Matt's psychology is really important for us correctly guessing the trivia <laughs> answers. Right. So I am behind you all the way on this. Yeah, that I serves you about 40, 45% of the time, but yes. Hey, wait a minute. Did I just win you some money? Uh, <laughs> not money, but maybe We're a gift card to We're Trader Joe's, <laughs> which is very valuable. Okay, well, so I get half of that. Come on. I know that's true. It's <laughs> not enough. It's really not enough to go around. <laughs> okay. So you were posting these interviews. Is that right? Yeah. So we posted the interviews up uh, originally and, and uh, folks who were interested, who had heard about his chest uh, and the treasure hunt, you know, started coming to the blog. 
in, in, in pretty big numbers right away. And we also noticed that folks were coming from all over the world. It wasn't just, you know, the United States and Canada where folks were coming from. And we, we decided to, to turn it into a, a, a kind of a forum. It's a it's not an actual forum because if you've ever used a forum on, on the web and, and then you come to the blog, you'll see that it's not as handy as a forum. It's because we're sort of bastardized this, this blog where people are supposed to write stories and other folks can comment on their stories. We sort of turn that into a forum and it, it doesn't work as cool as a forum does. But nonetheless, we've got, I don't know, a million and a half comments on the blog. Uh, that that are kind of difficult to track. But in some ways, there are lots of stories on the blog, not just from me, but from other folks who have gone searching. There's stories about folks who tried solutions and they didn't work. Folks who have ideas about what the blaze is, what the the place to begin is, and on and on and on. And so it, it just grew and took off so that now, well, last night, for some reason, we had a big hit. But typically, this time of year, we'll get between six and 700 uh, hits an hour, uh, averaged over 48 wow. hours. But right now, for some reason, something happened last night. I don't know. There must have been a story somewhere. That number went to 1,300. <laughs> the highest we've ever seen uh, in one day, I think, was 63,000 hits. And that was shortly after the old Time magazine had a story. Tony Dokopol put a story in the blog on Time magazine about it. And was it Newsweek? I'm sorry, I've lost it. It could have been either one now, whichever one Tony worked for at the time. And uh, that was big. And we had 63,000 forests. Forest's uh, server shut down and they uninvited him. They told him he was going to have to go somewhere else <laughs> if that was the kind of traffic he was going to get. And uh, my blog didn't shut down and my server didn't shut down, but it came pretty close. You know, there's an awful lot of interest about this. I call it America's greatest treasure hunt. And I think that's really what it is. Folks from all over the world are looking for it. But I, I tell you, this is how I think about this. It, it You know, even if you're... Uh, disabled and say, you can't go out to the Rocky Mountains and look for this. It's a fun puzzle because you can try and figure out what the, po what the poem means. You can get maps and the poem and try and figure out where this treasure chest is at, I think. That's so cool. I'm curious to know a little bit more about what the community of people is like around this. And are people coming together to find it or is it mostly people on their own searching? I think there's a lot of each. There's a lot of folks who, who, who do this on their own, but there's also folks that form teams. There have been uh, middle school classes that <laughs> teachers have introduced the poem as a, as a way to introduce poetry to middle school students who ordinarily wouldn't give a hoot about poetry and combine it with their history classes and their writing classes and uh, their geography classes. And then the kids come up with a solution for the poem. And then in the summer, the teacher goes out and looks for it and see, see if they can find it. So there are teams that do for it. There's office teams. There's uh, just neighborhood teams. There are friendly teams that go out and look for it. I, I would say probably the overwhelming majority are individuals and families that go out and look for it. And isn't there 
a uh, forest fen palooza? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there is. It's called Fenbury. <laughs> right. Oh, I knew it had a great name. Okay, Fenbury. <laughs> yeah, and and so for the past few years, we've we've been holding uh, this Fenbury near uh, where Forrest lives in a state park at Hyde State Park in Santa Fe, and we do we hold it out there so that Forrest can attend. You know, Does he? I mean, he's, Oh yeah, he's come out. Uh, he's you know Life he's, he's gonna he's gonna be eighty nine. We don't know every year if he's gonna be there, and you know maybe last year was the last year he'll be able to make it out. But uh, yeah, so far he's come out uh, to to just about every one, and uh, I mean it's great fun. You, you you here's the guy who wrote the tri- you know wrote the poem, and you have an opportunity to ask him uh, questions about it, and and people are pretty nice about it. I mean nobody. No, nobody, uh, you know, tries to tries to put him in a corner and drill him for, yeah. for clues. You know, <laughs> folks just are happy to shake his hand and and take pictures of it you know, of themselves standing next to him and. And uh, he tells stories while he's out there, and we all sit around a campfire, eat hot dogs, and listen to Forrest's stories. Wow. So it's a friendly group, and, and, and we have a good time while we're out there. That's wonderful to know. About how many people attend? I think uh, the number varies, but I'd say between 100 and 200 folks show up. I hate to even ask this, but is he safe? Like, <laughs> I would think, what is, you know, there might be a person out there who's like, I'm going to get the information out of him. It just made me think of it when you said nobody's like putting him into a corner. So it sounds like everybody overall has been extraordinarily nice. <laughs> well, now that you've bro- brought that up, um, no, he's had threats on his life, yeah. and he's had threats on his family's life. Uh, there was a crazy guy from, uh, I think he was Reno or Las Vegas, who wrote Forrest and said that he knew that the treasure was really his niece, or I'm sorry, his granddaughter, and, oh. and he was he was coming out to get her. Wow. And, oh uh, God! And he he wrote some pretty some pretty sick stuff. And uh, Forrest uh, let the authorities know, and they they captured this guy just inside of New Mexico. Wow. And he, appara- he apparently was... Uh, was he was, was on his, his way. Yeah, he was... Uh, th- th- there was something wrong with this mm-hmm. guy. I mean, uh, th- I believe he's still locked up. And there have been a few other, not, not as bad as that, but there have been people who have hopped his fence into his yard and people who have you know, knocked on his door and, and pushed their way in and, and things like that. There were folks who waited for him. <laughs> this was this was somebody's idea. Actually, it wasn't a bad idea, except Forrest is smarter than this. But uh, so they call up Forrest and they say, Forrest, I, I found your, your chest. And then they wait outside in the car and they wait for Forrest to get in his car and go out to check and see if the <laughs> chest is still there. <laughs> oh, man. You know, but uh, obviously that never worked. <laughs> so people have tried different things. There's always people I get. Oh, I don't know, probably two or three emails uh, a week from folks who say they found it, you know, and they're, you know, they, they didn't find it and it's still out there and we know that. But from folks who just think that they can say they found it and everybody's going to, you know, they're going to spoil everybody's fun. There's trolls yes. everywhere. And th- these trolls just love to figure out ways to screw up everybody's good time. Speaking of screwing up a good time, what are the odds that this treasure isn't real? Well, that's an interesting question. I don't know about what the odds are, but I know why I don't believe that that's a possibility. Okay. First of all, I know something about Forrest, and I know that honesty is important to him. Uh, We also have several people who saw the treasure 
before Forrest hit it. So we know it's real. We know it exists. Creighton Fenn is one of them, the guy who's, you know, who I went treasure hunting with in, in Uruguay, South America for five years. Uh, Creighton was over Forrest's house and Forrest asked him to walk into his vault. Forrest has a, a vault in his house that he keeps all his prized possessions in. I told Creighton to go walk into the vault and bring out that chest and Creighton did, carried it to the kitchen table and put it down. They opened it up and they looked through all the stuff that was in there. Doug Preston, who is an, an author, a writer, has also seen it. Several other people have seen it. His family, his his grandchildren have, have all seen it, or at least those of them that, you know, are older than 10 years have, have certainly seen it. Many of his friends have seen it. So we know it exists. Um, the other thing is, if, if I was a detective and was trying to figure out whether this thing exists or not, I mean, you, you can play the detective game, right? Did, did he have the means? Absolutely. Forrest was a, is a very wealthy man, and he could afford to do this. It wasn't a problem for him. He wasn't holding on to this to sell to somebody someday in, in case he needed a little bit of health insurance. That isn't the case for Forrest. He already had 90% or 99% of the items that he put in there. Uh, these were items that he collected. So he had the means. He paid 25000 bucks for the chest itself. He said at some point when he was talking about it that he probably overpaid for the chest. But, you know, I mean, we're talking about a guy here who had plenty of, plenty of means. He had the desire to do this. He wanted to do this. The reason that, that Forrest got into this whole thing was in 1988... He had uh, he came diagnosed with kidney cancer, and he was given about six months to live, I think. And so he had somebody over the over the house, and they were looking at all of Forrest's incredible collection of things. And the guy said to Forrest, "Well, what are you going to do with all this stuff? You can't take it with you." And and Forrest said, "Well, the hell I can't." And so his plan was to make a treasure chest, fill it with all of with a lot of his loveliest, most important and charming things that would fit into this treasure chest and go hide it. He would take it to a place that was very special to him where he would then commit suicide. He was going to take sleeping pills at that place because he did not want to die in a hospital with hoses up his nose like most of cancer victims have to go. He wanted to die on his own. He wanted to die on his own terms. His father did that, Marvin Fenn. He came down with cancer and he took his own life before things got terrible, before the cancer got him. Forrest planned on doing the same thing, but he was going to make a bit of a game about it. He was going to write a poem. He was going to publish the poem. He was going to go out to his place with this treasure chest and die. And folks who found the poem could go out and find the treasure chest and probably Forrest's skeleton as well. Wow. Well, that's depressing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it isn't. It isn't. It depends upon how you think. The, the Forrest always said, but then, you know, uh, I, I got well and screwed everything up. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. depending and on how so you look that, at that. Yeah. So this was 88. So what are we talking? What is that? That's a, oh wait, that's a 30, 31 years ago, yeah. right? Yeah. And Forrest is still kicking. He's 89 years old. Mm -hmm. And so about 20 years after that, he decided to go ahead and hide this chest anyway in the same spot, but he wasn't going to be there with it. And so that's how this whole thing started.
So do we know if anyone's gotten close? <laughs> yes. Forrest has told us that several people have figured out the first clue. He also said that several people have walked right by the chest and had no idea they were that close. Oh, wow. <laughs> ah, it's got to be annoying. <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing. We don't know for sure that they were searchers. Mm-hmm. He just knows that people have gotten nearby? Yeah. So let's how just say... How does he say, know? Is it monitored? Like, how does he... What, what yeah, device how do, is... how, do, how does he know? How does he know? We don't know how he knows. Here's it's one idea. It's in his idea. backyard. <laughs> well, that's what somebody <laughs> thought who scaled his fence. But I've been in his backyard many times. His backyard is not in the mountains uh, north of Santa Fe. His, his backyard is in Santa Fe. Some of the things we know is that it's at least 8.25 miles north of the northern boundary of Santa Fe. And it's in the Rocky Mountains. It's between 5,000 and 10,200 feet. And at least in winter, he knew it was wet. So, of course, you know, if you're in the Rocky Mountains and you're covered in snow in the winter, you're probably wet anyway. So I don't know that that means very much. Yeah, so how does he know that people got close? Well, I don't know how he knows, but here are some theories about that. One is that it's in a popular, it's not far from a popular place, which kind of screws with your mind if you're thinking about where the heck would somebody commit suicide. He probably wasn't planning on committing suicide near the front gate of, say, Yellowstone National Park. But if it was hidden in a popular place, plenty of people have been by it. So, you know, these are the kinds of things you have to think about in order to decide what this place might look like to Forrest. We know that Forrest was a fishing guide and we know that, that he, you know, he cares a great deal about fishing and that he loves to fish. And so a lot of people think that this chest is hidden in some area where, you know, where he used to fish. You know, fishermen tend to go to the same kind of areas, so maybe lots of other fishermen have been by it. How many hours a week do you engage in forest fen-related activities? 762. No, I have no idea. Per week? <laughs> there are that many hours in a week. <laughs> uh, I, have, I, have no, I have no idea. I, I spend a lot, but most of it's doing cleanup work on the blog, so... I don't know if that really counts. I guess what you're asking me is how many hours a week do I actually think about finding that treasure and work on a work on my solution and yeah, things yeah. like I'm that. Yeah, yeah. I'm just wondering how much time you spend dedicated to to this quest. Um, as much time as I can, or until my boss comes into the office. Ha! Where? What's your real job? <laughs> I run a small TV station in Bellingham, Washington. Oh, cool. oh. So. Uh, I spend a great deal of my off hours maintaining the blog. And in that, I also am always thinking about refining my solution. I I would guess, I mean, if I had to put an hour on it, I would say I'd probably spend two to three hours every day on the blog uh, and thinking about my solution. Do you think that Jen and I have a chance no chance at all. You don't, you shouldn't even Surprise. bother looking. No, there's no, there's, there's no way. I can tell I, uh, we're not <laughs> intrepid enough. He's a wise man. Yeah. I would get really distracted by pretty much everything that happens. We'd definitely get well, attacked the, by wild animals if yeah, we're together, Jen. <laughs> well, you guys have a record of being attacked by wild animals? Allie does. Allie uh, indeed I does. Might, yes, they do. I might. I might. 
it's it's not a record. It's just happened, you know, once or twice. <laughs> once or twice. I it's <laughs> once or twice more than I've ever been attacked by a wild yeah, animal. So, <laughs> so, you know, key point here, I did survive. So yeah, there's that. True. Okay. All right, well, thanks for having no faith in us. Uh, Worst uh, guest uh, ever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I my plan to find the chest is to try and and uh just dissuade everybody. Dissuade everybody else. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, sooner or later, I figure even if all I get to do, even if every one of my solutions only covers a square foot, you know, sooner or later, I'm going to run into the chest if I get enough time. That's true. That's true. Just, you know, process of elimination. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, how many square feet can there be in, you know, the Rocky Mountains yeah, in four like states? <laughs> yeah, exactly. See? Yeah, I could narrow Set it down. You definitely should have found it by now, frankly. Yeah, well, I'm I'm a slow walker. <laughs> That's good. That's methodical. I'm intrigued by this paradox of like the more people who participate, the more information can be shared and the more new ideas can kind of come into the uh, solution. But at the same time, more competition. Is this uh, how do people think about that? No, I think Matt, I think you're right on. But but there are people who, first of all wouldn't believe for a second anybody else's solution or the way anybody else thinks. You know, there's so many different ways that people look at the solution, and most of us feel that our way is the right way. So, you know, I'm, I'm not a believer that there's any anagrams in the poem, but people who believe they're anagrams think that I'm out of my brain for thinking it's a map. You know, and they're not going to listen to anything I say. But when you go to the blog, I mean, you can see all of these possibilities laid out. And so if you're struggling with trying to understand the poem and who isn't, you know, it, it at least gives you an opportunity to think about, well, that might work. Let me explore that. Or this might work. Let me explore that. Or why is everybody so interested in West Yellowstone? I think it's close to where he lives. Or, you know, I think it's in Colorado. And there are lots and lots of stories on there about people who have searched. So if you're trying to come up with some sort of solution, there certainly are lots of models there on the blog for folks to look at. And Dale, can you just give us uh, the name of your blog and how people can find it? It's just myname.com. So it's D-A-L-N-E-I-T-Z-E-L.com. But if you just go Forest Fen uh, or Forest Friends Treasure in Google, you know, it'll come up. And I think finally, we're curious to know, do you have any tips <laughs> for us, for others out there? I know you have some guidelines and things on the site. What are your big, what would be the big things you would recommend if we were to want to approach this? I know you don't believe in us, but we might do it. <laughs> <laughs> I think the most important thing for everybody to remember is that Forrest intended this to be a family thing. That means children and old people, as well as young people who are absolutely physically fit. It doesn't require any Superman type skills in order. You don't have to be able to rappel off the side of a cliff in order to find this. We've been told several times that, uh, you know, that young people would have no, no trouble walking right up to the chest. You know, he's warned us against hazards. I mean, you know, you don't have to swim across some torrential stream and you don't have to put your life at risk in order to find this chest. Forrest says, remember, you know, I was 80, 79 or 80 years old when I hid the chest. So 
<laughs> when you put that in perspective, that means that most of us should should still be able to go out there and find it. So that's number one. Don't don't think you have to be a superhero or some kind of outdoor expert in order to find this thing. That's not the case. Don't be afraid to do it with your family because it is, he intended it to be a family outing. And the last thing I would say is don't do anything I've done because it hasn't worked so far. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> All right, Dale. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's been a pleasure. Hey, can I ask one question? Of course. No. (laughs) (laughs) So if you guys were going to go look, where would you look? I think we'll have to give it a little thought and get back to you. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I've always wanted to get back to New Mexico. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty place. Beautiful place. Yeah. Maybe I'll come to Fenbury and get some tips and then get started. Oh, that's a good idea. That's That's a a good idea. idea. There'll be lots of people there for you to check. Oh, and by the way, there's meetups in other States too. Oh, cool. Okay. But but the big one is the Fenbury in New Mexico. Not to be confused with Fenpalooza. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll see you there. I'll be looking for you. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Dale. Bye-bye. Thank you. Jen, I don't know if this is unfair, but if you had a jamboree, it would just be called a jamboree. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I, I think because I think I have a new life goal. I should also mm-hmm. be getting paid every time people use that word. Yeah, you should. Yeah. You, what, you have should. a new life goal? Yeah. I mean, this guy's a fucking <laughs> Fenbury every year. Like, that sounds fantastic. People have a celebration of you and you show up and <laughs> ask you a lot of questions. Like, that part sounds less fun. Um, but yeah. So you want to have like a gold brie? I mean, it'd like be cool a, to a like jam. be so badass that people create a jamboree for you. Right. Right. Well... I think it's badass. This is kind of, it feels like, you know, when I first read it, I was like, this feels kind of like geocaching or something like yeah. that. But it's so old school in a way, like to actually write the poem. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, it's it's fascinating. It, I mean, Ali, is it something you think you might, you would actually consider trying? <laughs> or Matt? I, I would like to. I think it would be really cool. Like what I want to do actually. So my one of my best friends, Ian, is really into scavenger hunts and he's created some and they're like very elaborate. He's really good at it. I would love for like him to get mm-hmm. really into it. And yes. then I tag yes. along. But like I don't have the time or energy personally, just knowing myself yeah. <laughs> to like really go there on my own. Yeah. It would be fun to like map it out with your kids, Matt, and then like take a family <laughs> yeah. vacation or something. I'm, so I'm intrigued find it. by I don't know if that's worth it. Oriented Years thing. later in therapy, <laughs> his children are talking yeah. about the treasure hunt that they were forced, forced us to, to go to New Mexico. Uh, yeah. And Ford My or this idea that they're do they're all of our oxen died. <laughs> <laughs> that they're do- that they're doing it in school to teach geography. Like I fucking love that. It's so good. It's so cool. Everything about it. I I'm totally with with yeah. you, yeah, Ali. Really of like cool. I am don't have the energy to actually go and physically search. Or even I'm I love this culture. No, no, I want to do the physical you, you search. Do, I want wanna, someone else to see, do the I, I don't. I. I'll show up for an adventure. I like the idea of adventure. I'm not a puzzle guy. Like I don't care for crosswords or rebuses. Like that stuff is not, um, it doesn't hold me. So I'm with you. Get get a puzzle nerd to figure out the poem and then, you know, maybe we'll, we'll do the adventure stuff on the back end. Yeah. 
Yeah. If this were happening in New Jersey, I might consider it, but like I'm not going to buy a plane <laughs> ticket to well, not I'd find be a million so less dollars. into it if it were New Jersey. That doesn't sound like an adventure. At least in, at least in New Mexico, you're going to have an adventure, beautiful <laughs> landscapes, you know? I know, but you need to New pay Jersey. to get out there. I don't know. Yeah, okay. well, uh, maybe it's under the Arizona Bridge. I don't know. <laughs> Good thing. <Good> <laughs> we're going to check every turnpike stop. Every one of them. <laughs> terrible it's it's the kfc rest stop bathroom like yeah it's no good the romance of the rocky mountains in uh, new mexico or wherever that's half of the appeal of this it is this western mystique ah it is yes perfect it's just so funny to me how simple it probably is and that you know he as an 80 year old man he was just walking through the woods and was like bloop and he just like lays it down somewhere And like we really cannot because when you think it. of a chest, I, 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 when we started the episode, I assumed it was buried. That's why like, I'm like, I don't know, is this real? Well, but like, is it underground buried, or is it, or is it just bloop? It might be. Is it a bloop on on the ground? But yeah, that's the thing. It's like an older dude was was able to put this there. So I think that's the biggest clue of yeah. all. Yeah, I think it's just like some some cave nobody's peered in i don't know it must be hey if you found the treasure tweet us <laughs> but you know at alley gold wait, wait you know what, what else it is you know what else is cool about it Th- that the world is big yeah you know what i mean like he just dropped a well, chest Matt, somewhere profound. but like okay but we're living in a world where breaking news the, the earth, earth is not flat stay tuned for a different episode but, it, but it, it is a little profound because we live in a world where you can get anything you can connect with anyone the world has gotten so small to technology and this guy bl- dropped three million dollars in the middle of a national park and we have no fucking clue where it is right that's awesome man it's awesome the entire world is mapped on google yeah we caught it the entire world is mapped down to every pixel and we can't find this fucking chest i don't know have you been down to the financial district in new york google maps goes nuts it doesn't fucking know i love yep. that this is something we can do in real life and how inspiring i wish there were more things like this where it's like we don't need to go into a video game or virtual reality to be able to explore mm-hmm. like this that we're being sent out into the real world yeah man so please all you millionaires and billionaires out there without it being dangerous wait till you're like 80 and then bloop it somewhere <laughs> and uh write a poem I'm into it, but do it on the East Coast. <laughs> Wrap it up, James. All right, I'm going to bloop on out of here, um, <laughs> as is Matt and, and Allie, all of us. So, guys, tweet at us. Let us know uh, if you're going to go search for this treasure, where you think it is, if you've already been out looking. Tweet at me at Junebugger. At Allie Gold. A-L-L-I-G-O-L-D J-O-O-N-B-U-G-G-E-R Yeah, you can email us at 2G1podcast at gmail.com You can call us and leave us a voicemail Just think, this whole episode today was based on a voicemail exactly. So definitely call us with your suggestions Yeah, that phone number is 347-871-6548 That number again, 347-871-6LIT And you can join us in our Discord server Discord.gg slash 2G1P Where you can suggest show topics Just come and shoot the breeze with us Please join us because we might get a new idea For an episode based on what you say in that chat room And where can they contribute, Ali? Patreon.com slash 2G1P. And at a pretty low level, we will shout you out on air. Very exciting. All right, explorers. Good luck out there. Two Girls, One Podcast is hosted by Jennifer Jamula and Allison Goldberg. 
and buried deep underground, where no one will ever find it. Uh, I mean, produced by Matt Silverman in New York City. This episode was edited by Danny Matias. Production assistance is provided by the Podglomerate. This internet audio broadcast is a product of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. If you enjoy this show, consider supporting it on Patreon, because our advertisements are probably fake. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe. Played a Teletubby that got fucked by Snape.